Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's four o'clock. Welcome to To Tell in Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. The Grizzlies taking on Georgia. Men's basketball tonight. Lady Grizz coming off a win on their home opener. A little bit of NFL. And what would the ideal Big Sky Conference look like? It's 2 Tell New One is 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Outstanding to be with all of you. Thanks for letting us ride along with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are well. We appreciate being there with you. If you want to be a part of the show, we're happy to have you. 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688 is that phone number. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that phone line if you would like to uh, and uh, get involved that way. If you would like to uh, listen live, you can do that on the World Wide Web. You're not around your radio, your TV set, whatever the case may be. You get on the 1029 ESPN.com website. You click on the Listen Live tab and you jump in the stream. You jump in it all the time. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. In the show today, we start off with a bang. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizzlies, is going to be on with us in just a minute or two from right now. He is down in Georgia, Montana, getting set to uh, take on uh, Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs of the SEC. Yes, that Georgia. Uh, they're going to play tonight. Tip off at 5 o'clock Mountain, so uh, coming up just under an hour from now. But Riley, good enough to get on with us and kind of set us up before he goes live with his radio call, which he does uh, such a great job of uh, for all, obviously, the Grizzly men's basketball and football games. So we'll talk with Riley about where Montana's at. Obviously, 0-2 in Big Sky Conference play, 0-3 overall, and uh, and playing, a, obviously, a Georgia team. Some uh, interesting storylines there. Maybe most notably, Brian Fish, former Montana State head coach, being on the staff at Georgia with Tom Crean. So we will uh, we'll get into that with Riley. We also will get into here my last week on the show. Maybe a couple of the best athletes I ever saw in the Big Sky Cowards. That's what you want, right? Uh, or, or, or high school or whatever. I mean, we're just going to freelance this thing and just let you... 
relive some memories. So you mean we're going to do today what we always do? Uh, That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, We also are going to get into what is the ideal Big Sky Conference, the announcement official today. We've heard about this. uh, We've even talked about this. But Southern Utah has officially been offered a position in the whack in the conference. So we will talk about what that might look like if Southern Utah decided to depart and what maybe realignment, if there's if there's ever a time to do it on a big scale, I suppose 2020 is as good a time as any. <laughs> Everything oh, shifting and changing, maybe uh, maybe the conference affiliations. Top of the hour, we will get into some NFL buy and sell officially today uh, coming out. Jalen Hurts will start this Sunday for the Eagles. Carson Wentz taking a seat. A day after they signed him to a four-year $128 million contract. Is the most confused I've ever been by a contract. Okay. Well, we'll, you know, get into that. Yeah. Uh, And also, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, off. And let me tell you something. If you're a Michigan fan, count your blessings. Okay, that's good news for you. Well, that's kind of what they... uh that's what's being speculated, right? That's what all the Ohio State people think, at least. Of course it is. Michigan ran for the hills. They had an excuse. See you later. Uh, well, that's what uh, that's what Clemson accused Florida State of, and now this is what uh, Ohio State is going to think about Michigan, regardless, whatever. Uh, it's a bummer the game ain't happening, but it's not as if we're going to miss out on real competitive game there. Uh, okay, let's do this. We can get into all the speculation, all that stuff down the line. Right now, though, let's go to the Rage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in from Athens, Georgia, the voice of the Grizzlies, Riley Corcoran, getting set for game number four of the Montana Grizzly men's basketball season against Georgia. Riley, great to be with you, my man. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. You're down there in Georgia. I got to imagine it's been an interesting couple of days coming off of Two one-point losses at Southern Utah. Uh, not a position that Coach DeCure, the Montana Grizzlies, are are used to being in. Obviously, already playing conference basketball is very strange. What is uh, sort of the mindset, the mentality around the team here as they go now against, obviously, a very good SEC basketball team tonight in the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, good afternoon to you guys. It's, uh, it's interesting. I tell you what, we are going to be in Athens, Georgia, about 29 total hours between the trip here yesterday, getting into the hotel at 1.30 in the morning, getting up and playing, and then back on a bus at 6 in the morning tomorrow to head back to the airport. So certainly a quick trip. It's interesting times, and you're right. For Grizzly basketball, this is kind of uncharted territory. Coach DeCure said multiple times just about the squad. Normally, they shouldn't. I mean, you think in conference play, when it's already started, this team's further along than they normally are. Still trying to figure out the rotations. There were a couple of great notes. For Grizzly basketball coming into this game that I think are just a sign of the times. Number one, how many times do you see Coach DeCure have eight different players average over 20 minutes per game? That is so rare. Never. Um, especially when you're uh, – never. I mean, that never happens. And it even – I get the sense it almost bothers him a little bit that that number's still there. He wants to tighten up the rotation, but the, the fact of the matter is that's not going to be the case right now. You mentioned those consecutive one-point losses. First time in 36 years that's happened for Grizzly basketball. you got to go back to – Mike Montgomery, that team turned out to be okay. They were 23-7, and but that's the last time the Grizzlies have suffered consecutive one-point losses. So the good news, it's always a double-edged sword, but the good news is they didn't have much time to think about that, and they've got a, quite the challenge tonight in Athletic Georgia team. The blueprint for the way Travis DeCure gets his teams ready, it's pretty tried and true. I mean, he usually gives a bunch of guys chances during the scrimmage portion, the exhibition portion, maybe the you know play-down NAIA slash Division II game at home, and then kind of starts getting locked in, challenges them when the light the, when the lights are the brightest against some of these Power 5 teams, and then goes from there. But there's no real uh, training wheels this year, right? There's no real preparation time for what is a beast of a, a non-conference schedule. So, I mean, how much difference does this feel to you in terms of the honing of a rotation and the developing of a team when you, know, you don't just turn around and get to play a Frontier Conference school? <laughs> You're playing an SEC school a couple days after a conference opener. Well, exactly. It's a completely different feel, Colter, because it feels like at this point that, okay, you'd be thinking with meaningful games where every game matters, where either you're under the bright lights playing on national TV or you're playing in a conference game. It has more of that January, February feel, but it's hard for the brain to maybe equate that, okay, we're still in game number four of the year. There are still so many things to figure out, and I think, I mean, identity crisis might be a little bit harsh, but that's a little bit of where Grizzly basketball is at right now because they are used to the patient process, and we know Coach DeCure and the success record he's had, especially when conference play ramps up, but 
right now they are trying to be competitive and what they want to be in February when the fact of the matter is that they're really nowhere close to that right now with just having different rotations in the mix, different guys available every night. And I guess maybe from a, a microcosm of 2020 in general, this will prepare the Grizzlies for conference play in the sense of, hey, whoever we have available tonight, those are the guys we got to roll with. And, you know, we have to be eight, nine, ten guys deep. So we'll see. But it does feel just a little bit like an identity crisis here early on in the season. That makes sense from the perspective of the coaches. I mean, Travis DeCure is in his seventh season, and um, the majority of his staff has been there for quite some time, and this staff has been together intact for a couple of years now. But do you feel the same thing with the players? Because there are so many new players. I mean, do they even have any idea that this this is not the norm, so to speak, when it comes to the development of a Grizz team? To be honest with you, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to dawn on these guys quite yet. When you look at a Brandon Whitney and a Josh Bannon, guys that are in the starting lineup right now that have so many things thrown their way. I mean, just from maybe the intensity of a conference game, even something as small as that, or I, I thought a lot down over the weekend in Cedar City, you have to feel where, and we all know this, guys, Montana has the target on their back. Every time they play a Big Sky Conference opponent where you're going to get the best shot because it means so much for programs like a Southern Utah to beat a Montana, and I think that is what these guys are trying to figure out right now. That's where nucleus of you know, Kyle Owens coming back and Mac Anderson, DJ Carter Hollinger, Josh Vasquez. Those are the guys that maybe know what it's like to go into the fire with the squad a little bit. But as of right now, Kyle Owens and Josh Vasquez, the only two that are playing significant minutes. And those guys are just sophomores. So, again, to try and have a guy to, to create that leadership role, I think that's maybe something they're struggling with. They've had the luxury the last couple of years to have three of the top eight scorers in school history that when things were going bad, it was going to be Ahmad Rory. It was going to be Mike Ogine or Saeed Pridget that could maybe steal the day away or cover up some of the deficiencies for the team. And right now, they're still searching for answers in that regard. I still think, again, young in the season, Michael Stedman was uh, over 600 days without playing a college basketball game. He has looked better as the games progress. So I think the Grizz are really counting on him to take on that leadership role and maybe the the scoring load when things aren't going right. But as of right now, the, the team hasn't found that part of it and still with a younger nucleus of team. Riley Corcoran joining us, the voice of the Grizz, uh, Montana, again, at Georgia tonight, game number four of the Montana Grizzly men's basketball season, tipping off in just about 50 minutes from right now. Riley, you talked about the rotation, but there's a couple guys uh, in the second game against Southern Utah that were not available, Derek Carter Hollinger, Cam Satterwhite, and then uh, obviously we haven't seen Robbie Beasley yet either this season. Is there any update on the status of any of those guys? You know, I, I asked the same thing to Coach Secure, and he's frustrated, and he goes through, but he goes, honestly, they're day-to-day, and you're not going to see any of the three of them tonight. I can tell you that. Um, but they are optimistic that towards the end of December that all three of them will be able to come back on the court. Um, but as of tonight, they're, they're still unavailable, and those are three guys, really. You look at all three of them. Those are supposed to be key contributors for the Grizzlies. So when you talk about the shuffling of rotation night in, night out, and trying to, to get more depth uh, – you see guys that, I mean, hey, a, a Coach Secure's seven- or eight-man rotation that I'm sure he's envisioning for February or March. I think it's safe to say that the three guys not available tonight in Beasley, Satterwhite, and Carter Hollinger would all be in that top eight. So that's what makes it frustrating and also something that you got to keep it in perspective of where this Grizzly team is at early in the season. Well, you're the guy that always has the tidbits. Give us a few on Georgia. What is What do the Grizz expect tonight, their first uh, game against an SEC opponent in quite some time? Oh, boy, I tell you what, that Georgia loves to slash the rim. And one stat that's just glaring that the Grizzlies are, are trying to overcome is the battle of the boards. Georgia, top 20 in the country in rebounding margin and offensive rebounds per game. The Grizzlies, bottom 30 in the country in rebounding margin. I think a stat that really stood out to me was points in the paint. Georgia's at 50 or more points in the paint all three games. So uh, attacking down low, the, the post defense of the Grizzlies is certainly going to be tested. Um, we know the superlatives, ones that I'll throw out there for you guys. Grizzlies looking for their first-ever win against an SEC opponent. They're 0-9 previously and looking for that elusive Power 5 win, just one win under Coach Secure against these Power 5 teams. So we'll see if they can uh, find some magic tonight. This Georgia team, they are explosive, but it is still kind of a younger nucleus for them. They've beaten up on Florida A&M and Jacksonville as well as North Georgia, a non-Division 1 team. So they certainly can put up points, but... They're a team, too, that if things go wrong, Montana feels like that they can have a chance in this one. But I really think transition buckets, 
as well as the battle on the glass are going to be two crucial areas that Montana obviously needs to improve vastly if they're going to have a chance. You know, one interesting storyline here, uh, uh, Riley, is that Brian Fish, former head coach of the Montana State Bobcats men's team, is now on the staff at Georgia. I don't know how integral that was even in getting this game on the schedule at all, but is there, I mean, I understand he's down the bench or whatever, and this is, you know, Tom Crean's team and all that, but is there has there been any discussion at all with this sort of interesting crossing of paths once again with Coach Fish and this Montana team? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think Coach Fish is so well-liked just around coaching communities. And, and I th- it was mentioned when the team was coming down yesterday, it's going to be great to see Coach Fish again. And I think he certainly had a part in this game getting scheduled because he is one of the, the people in charge of putting Georgia's schedule together. And this thing was signed early last year. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, they maybe put it out there and Coach Fish, the familiarity with Montana, that certainly uh, played a part in it. I, I know that um, he is eager to have this game going. I'm actually walking him right now, very energetic as usual on the court. It's funny, guys, I was walking around campus today. I was just outside of Sanford Stadium looking at Georgia football, and who pulls up? Brian Fish going, how the heck did they let you down here? You know, I'm wearing my grid thing, walk, walking around campus. And sure enough, that's just Coach Fish, right? He rolls down the window. We're both masked up, and he goes, man, it's great to see him. We did an air pound and everything in between. But that, that's just what Coach Fish brings. He, he's such a great guy. Obviously, the, how it worked out in Bozeman, we all know that wins are the, the nature of the game here. But uh, he certainly has played a part, and he seems like he's in a good spot. It, that's just a side note, too, <laughs> Ryan and Colter. You look at it, the coaching staff for Georgia, ton of experience. I mean, Tom Crean, right? He's in his 21st year coaching. All those NCAA tournament appearances for Marquette in Indiana. Steve McLean, a former head coach at Wyoming and UIC, and then Brian Fish, a former head coach as well. So although this Georgia team has a young nucleus, man, they, they really have an all-star coaching staff. He's Riley Corcoran. He's the voice of the Grizz. You can find the game tonight, actually, just in about 45 minutes. Grizzly Radio Network. Also find on the Tudor Radio app. Riley, we'll get you out of here on this. What is the key if Montana does want to spring the upset tonight? I think truly limiting offensive rebounds. They have to hold Georgia to understand offensive rebounds to even think to have a chance in this one. And the transition bucket, getting back, was pretty much what they worked on over half of the shoot-around today of just sprinting back. You're going to see Severe Wheeler, the point guard for Georgia. Maybe that's another key, too, guys. He has to have under 10 assists. He's the first player in over 40 years in college basketball to have three consecutive double-doubles with points and assists. So the Grizzlies can maybe take him out of his game. That would, in turn, take Georgia out as well. But just look at rebounding and transition points for tonight if the Grizzlies are going to have a chance. Riley, appreciate you doing this, fitting us in right before you're going to go on the air for the real work that you have to do tonight. We appreciate it very (laughs) much, man. Enjoy the game. Travel safe back to Montana, all right? Always, guys. You got my voice warmed up, so I appreciate it. There <laughs> you go. That's what we're here. That's what we're, 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 you know, we the headlining act is coming up here in a little while. Got to get up here and get the vocal cords, right? Let them walk out here and do some sort of like uh, a little bit of a, uh, you know, it's like when the headliner walks out and does a song with the band, the opening right, band. Right, right, right. Of course, we're not opening. We're just, you know, happen to be temporally in, in front of this thing. That's no, what it is. No question. Well, what Riley said right there, though, I think is, is, uh, Interesting, right? It's the game inside the game. The scheme of, of even just picking up in transition, that's more complicated at the college level. It's going to be something that it's going to take some of these freshmen that are getting playing time for the Grizz to learn. Like, you have to know when a guy's filling the lane. You have to know who's picking up the ball, who's picking up the cutters, you know, who's picking up the guys that are running to the rim. And it's going to it's going to take Montana a little while. And, I mean, I, I want to ask you this. Yeah. On one hand, some of the stuff, it's mental. It's communicative. You, you have to be able to talk with each other. But on the other hand, there's not going to be any teams that fill the lane like USC and Georgia. So where are you at with just the learning curve of this? Is learning against the best of the best advantageous or disadvantageous for this Grizz team? I think it is. I mean, I think it's always going to be advantageous. I think it will be less advantageous for this team than for other iterations of the Montana basketball team. It was interesting, too, coming out of USC because the storyline of USC was the Mobley brothers. Evan Mobley was yeah. no more recruit in the country. He's 7-1. He's going to be a top-five pick. I thought the Grizz would be monstrous on the glass just because they weren't going against two Pac-12 seven-footers, but instead they got out-rebounded yeah. by uh, not not a bigger, but a definitely stronger Southern Utah team. Well, and, and I thought the points you made on that is – 
it doesn't matter who's taller if it's a 23-year-old versus a 19-year-old right. sometimes. And also, the scheme of it. I mean, if that's – let's put it like this. Coaches can emphasize what they want to emphasize. We talked to a, a Coach Ron Hunter, who was the Georgia State head coach a couple of years ago. I was shocked. He told me – I said, Coach, you know, your, your teams have been – kind of out-rebounded here. Well, how big a factor do you think that's going to be in this game? He goes, oh, we. I, I think rebounding is the most unimportant stat in basketball. Wow. And, and there's some that would tell you that they think it's the most the most important. important. And it's so interesting because you take football across the board, turnovers, right? Period. Sure, sure, that's sure. it. That's the stat. For, for basketball, there's such varying perspectives about the importance, the necessity of the level of, you know, rebounding. I don't and, and to be honest with you, maybe this is a question it, 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 for the next time that we get to talk to Coach DeCure, but you know, I don't know what his I philosophy is either in general in basketball or specifically for this team. Sure. Obviously, if you're getting out rebounded, you know, ten to three on the offensive glass against, you know, a like opponent, that's not good news for you. I can't imagine that he's thrilled with that. But also that might not be something that he's, you know, overly concerned with. And I'd like to know why if that was the case, or if he is, what needs to happen to rectify it. Here's my question for you though. We haven't talked about this really at all. I am now, and it's easy, you know, to go, okay, well what if well you know if teams 0 and three, what needs to shift? But Neither, nobody will ever get to know, and it's very sad, you know, but what Nassim Gaskin might have been on this basketball team. And, you know, we know why he's not here. I still don't know the full, uh, uh, you know, if that, you know, the criminal side of this thing has come to a, a you know, conclusion or whatever. Sure, sure. But from a basketball standpoint, Everybody talked about the athleticism and thought about it in terms of getting to the hoop, slashing, and everything. Well, I've seen Brandon Whitney get to the hoop as good as I've seen any first-year player ever. Sure. But defensively, it feels like if Nassim Gaskin wanted to just lock it down defensively, he would have had the capacity athletically, physically to do that. Right. And also... Some of the rebounding stuff. I mean, to, to be to be able to get up and go go battle for something like that. I don't know how he fits in. We already know there's a log jam on the perimeter. Maybe you know. I don't know, but that's that is he might have been an answer to a question that the Grizzlies are asking right now. And him not being there feels like an even perhaps perhaps bigger miss, a bigger void than. We might have even guessed to begin with. Still very early. We know this team's just got to grow. I'm not saying all of a sudden, oh, they're they're two and zero against Southern Utah if he's playing in the games. I don't know, but you know that's it. It's something that ugh, it feels like some of that athleticism, some of that go, is something that Montana could use a little bit more of. Well, you talk to people close to the program, and that was part of the plan. I mean, internally they wanted Stedman and Gaskin to be their their guys, and so removing one of those guys from the situation, it does. It hurts you. It, it, there's no question that it hurts you. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the, the rebounding element to it, it, it's interesting because Montana has actually largely, even though they've had some good big men under Travis DeKeer, neither Martin Broning or Jamara Coe were dominant rebounders. They, they were just pretty average. I mean, when you're playing that spot and you're on the block that much, you're that means collect it's a game. something. Yeah, yeah seven, seven rebounds a game is kind of the middle. Anything above is great. Anything below is subpar. And they were both about seven rebounds per game. Guys, where they're going to miss so much, though, is they're rebounding up from the wing, particularly Bobby Moorhead, but absolutely from Michael Guine. Mm. I mean, Michael, and I know that's two years removed. Said Pridgett made up for a lot of that last year because he was about an eight rebound per game guy too. Yeah. But I mean, when you're getting almost eight rebounds a game from your two guard for three years in a row, I mean, the plus minus of that stat versus the other team's starting, starting two guard is going to be insane. I mean, Michael mm. Guine was probably on par with the other team's entire backcourt rotation in terms of rebounding. So, um, Learning ways to, to fill that in is going to be certainly a test. I wonder this in terms of tonight's game. I think that the the most unfortunate part about Montana's last trip to the NCAA tournament two springs ago was not just the rematch with Michigan, but because it was a rematch with Michigan, it eliminated the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. There was no underestimation of the athleticism of Montana's backcourt. You wonder now, though, with nine new faces, eight different guys that have started games, a rotation that's completely undetermined, 
if there is an element of surprise in this game because you know Georgia has no real connection to the Big Sky. I mean, t- if you're playing Pac-12s, they know other teams in the Big Sky. There's a little bit more familiarity. There's no connection really here mm-hmm. besides the Brian Fish connection that we talked about. And, and he's already removed from the, from most of the players on this. No team, question, right? right? He doesn't have a scout on any of these guys, and so you know you wonder. Eastern Washington played their third Pac-12 game last night, I guess yesterday afternoon, against Oregon. They lost by three at Washington State. They had that game in control. They, yeah. sh- they should have won. They blew it. They lost by three at Arizona. They didn't have – I mean, they, it was a competitive game, but it wasn't necessarily the missed opportunity that Washington State was. And then last night, they just didn't make enough shots against Oregon. They lost by, like, 14. But when you're – they had Oregon on the ropes, though. I mean, they, they, they were leading in that game late in the first half. And to me – so much of it is just knocking down early shots. And that's what I think the Grizz have to do. I mean, that's been their Achilles heel when they play these power fives. They get these big deficits. Then they prove that they can guard right on par with some of these power five schools. They win stretches of games, even long stretches like they did against USC. But when you're down 23 points, it doesn't matter. You're not going to come back from that hardly at all. So I just think Montana needs to hit early shots to keep pressure on Georgia this afternoon. Tip off what? About 37, 38 minutes away. You got it. Look at you. Excellent math. Five o'clock, top of the hour, uh, Montana and uh, and Georgia. And obviously, throughout the second half of this show, we will keep you apprised of what is happening uh, as uh, as we go. It's 2 Tell and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Let's take a quick break. Last five years, we've been on the radio, and there's been some unbelievable athletes that have come through. And... We're going to talk about who some of my best athletes are in the Big Sky Conference. We'll do that right after this. Hey, what if there's a place where you could walk in, get physical therapy, pay a flat fee, and feel better? Well, there is. Physio Trek, Missoula's only walk-in physical therapy office. Physio Trek offers physical therapy on your time and with a flat fee so you can feel better, faster. No need for referrals, for insurance. Just go to physiotrek.com and book your appointment and feel better. You know you've been wanting to try dry needling or to see if more specific stretches would help? Well, you can do that now at PhysioTrek. Visit PhysioTrek.com. Let me spell it for you, okay, because it's not phonetic. Just like, oddly enough, the word phonetic. I mean, is that annoying or what? I'm trying to teach my kids how to spell. I can't even spell, as you know. Uh, as true fact. PhysioTrek.com, P-H-Y-S-I-O. T-R-E-K-K. Got that? P-H-Y-S-I-O-T-R-E-K-K.com. Book an in-clinic or telehealth appointment today. That's physiotrek.com. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back to Telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Good to be with all of you. Coulter, uh, you said, hey, it's your last week on the show, man. Let me give you some of your best memories per se, but just players that you watched that you thought, well, my goodness, this is about as good an athlete as you could imagine watching play a sport. You said over the last five years, I was thinking kind of Big Sky Conference could be wherever, whatever, but primarily that's what we've watched, and obviously primarily Montana, Montana State. I got a couple for you, okay? Okay. Um, probably the two best athletes as such. Well, that's the two best athletes in their sport that I've seen in the last five years have both been Montana State quarterbacks. Wow. Chris Murray going back to 15-16 and then Troy Anderson. 
who ain't a quarterback but was for a minute. Uh, guys like and and obviously like you know, just don't worry about the, the 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 comparison. It's merely an analog, okay? But people who at their level can just make everybody else look like they're not at their level, right? Are the ones where you go, wow. And I saw that out of those two guys the same way that I see it out of a guy like Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. To an extent out of Kyler Murray. Where you go, we, he's doing things and all these great athletes are sitting here and they're not great athletes compared to this person. And that's what I saw out of those two guys. Let me ask you this. When it comes to Troy Anderson. Yeah. yeah, I, I've covered the big sky now for a long time and there's... Um, there's guys like Cooper Cup that have definitive talent, but also they just outcompete you. The competitive part of it is the part that's so striking. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of guys that are, you know, slightly too markedly above this level. Mm-hmm. But Troy Anderson, is he the most above the level that he's playing at of any athlete you've seen? Um, probably. 13 touchdowns, count them 13 of 60 yards or more his sophomore year playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a guy that can put his foot in the ground and run a QB power and score a 75-yard touchdown. When the when the C's part, he's gone. Yeah. My my one of my photographers, Jason Bocci at Skyline Sports, he's from West Virginia, played college football. Mm-hmm. He the first time he was ever shooting a game, it was against Idaho. And Troy Anderson and I scored like a 76, 77-yard touchdown on Montana State's first possession. And before the game, I was telling him, I said, hey, watch number 15. He hadn't shot the Cats yet that year. And I said, hey, watch number 15. You're going to love him. He's like, wow, looks like a a linebacker playing quarterback. I said, he is. And he said, wow, I can't wait to watch him run over some guys. I said, well, you just wait. Sometimes he runs over them. Most times he just runs right by them. Mm -hmm. After that first touchdown, he texted me and said, this can't be real. I said, what does this guy run in the 100? And I said, he's a two-time state champion in the 100 meters. He said, really? At 6'4", 230? I said, yep, really. He really is. He, uh, Troy Anderson, something we'll never forget, man. You know, uh, an, another guy, and so take for instance, like Miles Killebrew, right? Yeah, I never really right, watched right, Miles Killebrew, right, right, and right. I'm sure that if I could have been, you know, on a sideline for a Miles Killebrew game, that it would have been, yeah. oh yeah, that's the dude, Patrick Onwasser, you know, those type of guys, for sure, Portland State, yeah, where you go, oh man, and and there's certain guys out there that you watch and you can you can tell, but you know, in the first person, those two guys really stand out. I think probably, and, you know, the word athlete or athletic is, is I don't know if it's convoluted. It just admits of so many different definitions. Right. I don't even know how to define, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and put like a restriction of this is what I mean when I, say, when I say this, but I think probably the best athlete that I ever saw play uh of any sport anywhere mm-hmm. in the big sky it was Michael Ogine. Yep. I think he is He's the most breathtaking. He is. And he his his he is he is small but he's actually not as small as you think. He's slight, I guess, certainly. Right. You know, but he's he's actually a lot stronger than he probably ever really got credit for because he's so slender. Sure. He's also taller than you think. I mean, as a basketball player, you walk out there and it's comparative or whatever. But, sure. I mean, he's looking down. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm a super tall, six feet or whatever, but he's looking down on me for sure. Right. And, but, but the ability to move, the grace with which, the ease with which, and obviously, you know, the, the leaping ability that is part and parcel to the sport is, is absolutely second to none at this level of anybody that I ever saw. And so, uh, and, and also, I mean, I would say defensively as well. I mean, what you have to be able to do to beat a guy who knows where he's going to the spot that he's going to, it ain't easy. The advantage is supposed to be in favor of the offense, Yeah, you know, for that very reason in lacrosse, they give defenders a stick. That's twice as long for that very reason. Cause you can't beat him there. So you got to hit him. That's the only reason I was good at lacrosse because you know, you got to swing for the shins. Uh, but a, anyhow, uh, he routinely, a lot of it was IQ. I mean, as, as intelligent a person and certainly player as I've ever come across to collegiate level, period. Uh, but also his, his uh, athleticism and will to engage that athleticism to do it um, is, is the best I've ever seen. 
the thing that sets Ogine apart from almost any athlete you could even watch anywhere is the explosiveness combined with the gracefulness. Mm-hmm. During the Southern Utah game on... It's uh, easy. Yeah, during the Southern Utah game on Thursday, John Knight the third from Southern Utah was just attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. And he kept just leaping and he would get undercut. And then he took a hard spill. He hit his head. He hurt his shoulder. And Sean Rainey from SWX Montana, he texts me. He says, John Knight's going to kill himself out there. <laughs> but that's the thing is most guys, even the Dwayne Wades and Russell Westbrooks of the world, they go up so high and so explosively, but they come down real hard. Mm-hmm. Mike Ogine almost always landed on his feet. Like the fe- the gracefulness is best encompassed in the fact that I don't know if I ever even saw him roll his ankle. To be able to jump 50 inches off the ground and land perfectly almost every time, it's amazing. And even though I said he's bigger than you think, he's still obviously smaller than just about everybody he's going against playing basketball. Sure. Yep. And two guys who really stand out in that respect are Michael Ogine and Jerry Louis McGee. First time I ever saw Jerry Louis McGee run, I said, well, this is going to be a fun three games before mm-hmm. it's all over because this poor kid won't go out of bounds and he's just going to get He's just going to get rolled up on. He's going to get twisted up. He's going to get everything. And he is so quick, so fleet of foot. And so there's certain guys that just are able to roll with the with the punch, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lou McGee, I, I don't know if he ever missed a game, maybe a couple. But he, he for, for being the returner that he was, the receiver that he was, to be as uh, sturdy or whatever you want to talk about. And the other guy who stands out to me in that respect right now, is Robbie Houck. I mean, Robbie Houck is the, is, is the smallest player on the field in every f- single game he's playing. Oh, absolutely. He's one of the smallest players in all of Division I football, period. Yes. And and yet he is a house when he's hitting, and maybe part of it is, you know, whatever, the squirrel effect where, you know, a squirrel can jump off a tree, hit the ground, doesn't matter because their body weight's not enough to hurt them, and they just take off running. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's quite to that level, but, I mean – I don't know. I don't know. You know, as an athlete, you know, as to how much you're going to restrict it, but some of it's toughness, but some of it is just fearless. He's built for it. He's built. He's fearless, and he's built for it. So, like, yeah, the courage, the mentality that yeah. it takes for sure. Um, so those are, I guess, uh, you know, Montana, Montana State. Those are the ones that really that really stick out to me. Um, you know, there there's plenty of other great athletes. I mean, it's sports, it's Division One sports. There's some. Sure some head turners out there, but those are guys that really came to mind. Any, any uh, high school that comes to mind off the top of your head? Well, I mean, I thought Raleigh Wooster was the best high yeah. school basketball player I've ever seen. And part of it was because I didn't think he was the best athlete I ever saw. Right now. He's a, he's a fantastic athlete. No question. Uh, and by the way, I should qualify. I never saw Trace Tinkle play high school. Okay. Ball, okay. Okay. So I was getting here right at the kind of end of that. I think I was on the air his senior year, but I never made it to a game regrettably. So here's the best here's the best way I could compare and contrast those two. Trace is significantly more naturally talented and probably significantly smoother, whereas Raleigh is way more of a gamer. Raleigh's mm. just a baller, man. Like Raleigh could Raleigh Wooster could walk onto the court anywhere in America and he mm-hmm. could hang. Anywhere, any any level, any type of game, anywhere. He'd go to the Peak or to Rucker Park or in the Mountain West, and he could hang. And, I mean, he first game he played, he was starting for Utah State and had double-digit scores and all that. I just thought that he was he, – his, his – I mean, you got to be a, a tremendous athlete, obviously, but that's not his strength comparatively for you know within what why what makes him a great basketball player it's his iq his his natural ability to know how to play the sport to facilitate he could shoot and hit when he's open but he makes everybody's the proverbial makes everybody around him better he knows how to do it i mean he he just knows where to go with the basketball has great awareness vision and all of that which i just take to mean intelligence like they all all those things are sort of placeholders for me about smarts about the game and he's he he was next level from anybody i ever saw at a high school in a high school game four starts so far for raleigh wooster at utah state four starts in four games he's playing about 32 minutes a game he had 10 versus vc 10 points versus vcu 17 points versus northern iowa 15 points uh, just the other night against BYU. So he's averaging about 13 a game, uh, 13 and three. Pretty darn good start to your true freshman year. And, uh, I mean, people forget, man, 
I guess maybe people don't around here because of the the two moral connection, but Utah State is an elite program. I know right. they had that run where they won the whack a bunch and would never get out of the first round of the tournament, but they've still won 20-plus games most years over the last 30. And even as recently as two years ago, I mean, they were a seven seed in the tournament. I mean, Sam Merrill was, I believe, the college basketball player of the year. I believe he won the Naismith Award last year mm-hmm. at Utah State. So they've had that thing rolling, and it's impressive that a kid from Montana not only is getting run there, but is starting for that caliber of a team. No, no. I mean, I had no idea that he was going to go go there and be a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I just, I still feel like basketball, the transition from Montana high school state basketball to division one is the hardest for me personally to gauge like what sure. how good is this kid actually right you know he's right. great here right but how good's he going to be there and there have been some you know you go from josh eustace to trey stinkle to to you know several guys who played at the, the big sky level and so forth and are playing at the big sky level right yep. now yep. And you go okay well i watched raleigh play i thought he was unbelievable and he's playing Basketball in high school in a million-person state. So where what where are we really at? What does that mean? Now the fact that he was offered as a sophomore by Travis DeCure should be fairly telling. Like dude can play ball. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, so that you know that's that. But congratulations to him, and obviously to go there and be a starter right off the get is is very impressive. How about female athletes? I know that it's been interesting because the majority of our game coverage where Mm -hmm. we're live and in person watching and evaluating is at the college level. And unfortunately for us here in Missoula, the Lady Grizz have not been what they were for Mm -hmm. four decades the last couple of years. I thought yesterday was actually a great bright spot for the Lady Grizz with their 86-72 win over North Dakota. Looked a lot better. Um, But but, but you've been to those big sky tournaments. You've seen some some great players. I mean, anybody that that stands out? Definitely. And I I would qualify this by saying it's almost all basketball. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, And I would also qualify it qualify it by saying I would I, I, I am so happy for once again as I stated yesterday and am I am hopeful that somehow some way I'm able to get an in-person view of the 2020 2021 version and forward of Sophia Styles mm-hmm. because she's a great basketball player who's also a tremendous athlete but when you talk about well what's going on here the, again the same sort of thing that I talked about about making the rest of the, the the people on the floor look like they're not really they shouldn't be playing in the game with you. Right. Already it's Darian White. Yeah. I mean her her speed I mean she I've seen her get a rebound at five foot zero and beat the entire nine other players to the hoop on the other end in a tournament game. I've watched it with my own eyes. And and it's just it's amazing. The, she's she's remarkable. The steadfast focus that mm-hmm. she plays with too. I mean, like that lady, the 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 Cacarez game in Missoula last year. She's mm-hmm. going against Mackenzie Johnson, a first team All Big Sky player, one of the best point guards in the league. One of the, actually, when you look at the stats, one of the best point guards in Montana history. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she's the only player that's in the top eight in scoring and assists in the history of the Lady Grizz program. Mm-hmm. And it just it kind of was just unfortunate for her that her time fell when it did. But you watch that game with Darian White, and Darian White just followed her like a shadow. It didn't matter what the refs said, what the coaches said, what the crowd said what the call was nothing Darian White stone cold mm-hmm. just following Mackenzie Johnson like a shadow mm-hmm. never let her out of her, her sight and I mean her ability to focus like that defensively never get distracted shut off the noise I've actually never really seen that and she's only a sophomore the, the other thing too and I mean I don't this is this is just what it is but in the women's game usually when anybody's talking about individual players and what they bring to the table, whether it's coaches, whether it's member of the media, anybody, they reference a skill. Mm-hmm. Right. People talk about oh the the shooting ability, the rebounding ability. It's pretty rare that you hear somebody talk about the athleticism in in the context of women's basketball at the big sky level as marking out what makes somebody better. You hear it. It's that that part is 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 both. That's such an interesting point because that part's changing rapidly in some elements that's right and also i think it's one of the things that's improved the most in the women's game as well yeah the w- women's basketball is a definitively different sport than men's basketball and that wasn't the case 15 years ago mm-hmm. they were playing the same sport now they're not and i think that that's what's made the women's game so appealing and gained so many more fans mm-hmm. it's become such a skill-based game i mean 
the sh- the best shooters in college basketball are the are the women. Period. Point blank. Period. Like the the <laughs> yes. girls that are the best shooters in the yes. women's game are absolutely. If it's just a three point contest, they're going to kill the men. But I, I guess just as a for instance, y- almost always, not always, but almost always. Sure. If if two people are going for a rebound, it's the player that's gotten the better position. Sure. Certainly, you know, if you're taller right. or whatever, but it's not usually somebody who just went up and got it and ripped it away. Now you do see that, uh, but but. Usually, I I don't know. Maybe this is like some of that coded talk where you talk about oh the tenacity or the sure, competitiveness sure, sure. rather than the athleticism. And maybe that should change. Maybe we sh- you know we should be talking about that. But you know that is a you know sort of an interesting as as I've listened to the language that we use and right. the uh, adjectives that are kind of thrown around to talk about players. That's usually what it what it comes down to. And and you are right. I mean this the skill level of the women's game is is at an absolute all-time high. Well, that's been one thing that's been in the Big Sky Conference has helped some women that maybe wouldn't have gotten an opportunity a couple of years ago. The prioritization of skill and the rule changes have made it so that the Savannah Smiths and Darian Whites of the world, you know, five foot four point guards can not only just exist, but dominate the game. Yeah. It's very similar to the rule changes in the NBA 15 years ago that helped Steve Nash go from solid pro to, to back-to-back MVP. No doubt. One more I'll remind you of, because I know that uh, you probably didn't get this off the top of your head, but I know you at least followed her career through um, my interest in her career, but that's Erica McLeod at, at Montana. Of course. I mean, to break Lindsey Hall's records in the pentathlon and heptathlon, you know, to, to have the pressure of going out on top and then to get hurt before the conference meet and then have the pressure of having the conference meet be in Missoula for the first time in over a decade and then to still go out there and gut it out and win yourself a gold medal. I mean, it was one of the the, uh, the highlights of my journalism career covering her and I, I know that you had a lot of respect for her as well. I did and I can say I went head to head with Lindsey Hall. Mm. Uh, in what? Oh, the D- washers. Don't minimize this for me. Lindsey Hall, all, say, if this is like all, a track and all American, uh, just uh, the Hall of Fame level athlete from the University of Montana, head-to-head at a washers tournament yeah, yeah. with the great and mighty Joe Carls- Joel Carlson. I will tell you, um, it didn't go good for me there either, you know? It's like, you know, it, it makes sense, but Steph Curry being a good golfer, just make, that's probably the thing I like about him the least. Okay. You know, I love Steph Curry. But, man, you, come on now. You can't be a good golfer, too, bro. Anyway, uh, Lindsey Hall, you can't, be, you can't be that kind of athlete and also beat me at washers, but I suppose it goes hand in hand. We'll take a break. On the other side, what are we going to get into? Oh, Southern Utah has received an offer and you know what an invite to be a part of the whack I don't know if they're going to take it if that's shifting but it opens the door and it's an interesting conversation and what would the ideal big sky conference be we'll talk about that right after this hey we live in this great state so we can enjoy it right if you're a business owner you know how hard you work and sometimes it's at the expense of your own free time in fact often it is well that's where black bookkeeping and consulting services comes in Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services is a virtual bookkeeper that helps small businesses organize, maintain, and grow their business, which helps keep businesses running smoothly and gives you more time to do what you love. Black Bookkeeping and Consulting Services offers monthly bookkeeping and will even clean up previous month's books. Visit blackbookkeepingllc.com to schedule a free consultation today. Blackbookkeepingllc.com. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings. You just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced. The Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet. The Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 129 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy, good evening to you. Thanks for letting us roll with you at Gus Tutel at 129 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, if you, uh, you know, want to interact with us, feel free, 361-3688. Happy to talk with you. And uh, take your calls, take your text to that phone number as well, 361-3688. Coulter Southern. Utah is leaving. Uh, no, excuse me. Let me let me let me let me step back. Let me step back. That not leaving yet. They have been offered the opportunity to go to the WAC. Uh, we have no idea whether they are actually going to accept that invite or not. Uh, notably, the WAC does not have at this moment football, but they are bringing it back. That is a confirmed thing. Okay, so they want to bring football back. They want to get Southern Utah into their conference. Um. Is there anything specifically about that that you want to highlight prior to the conversation about what an ideal Big Sky conference might look like? Well, the WAC adding football is an interesting fold because Dixie State's going to be in the WAC. It totally makes sense for Southern Utah to go that way because Dixie State is in St. George. Which is a Division II school now and would be going up to the Division I level. Right. Yes. And Dixie State, I mean, St. George is... 20 minutes from Cedar City. I mean, they, right. they're neighboring towns. They share a newspaper. That's how close they are. So it would make total sense. But then you wonder what dominoes, and you know, folks out there might say, well, what sway does Southern Utah have? Well, part of the sway that they have is the location, which is disadvantageous for a lot of teams in the big sky, but advantageous to a school like Northern Arizona. Mm. Northern Arizona has been in the big sky for longer than almost anybody. I don't know if they were actually a charter member, but they joined in the, I think, early 70s. So they've been a part of the league for longer than anybody but the charter members, Montana, Montana State, Idaho, Idaho State, Weaver State. Um, And then, of course, all the charter members that have left then. Um, But is this a domino that causes uh, repercussions? Because I think that there's a lot of schools in the big sky that are weighing different options. Is football sustainable at Portland State? If, If it is, do they want to maintain their football presence, perhaps go to an affiliate and go to a different conference in basketball and other sports. Who knows? Sacramento State, what are they going to do? Cal Poly. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different um, schools, particularly the affiliates in football, UC Davis and Cal Poly. That's a contractual thing since they're not full-time members. So the league gets to decide, I think, every six years whether they want to renew those or not. So you just wonder if one move leads to other moves. We'll see. That And this move is not confirmed yet either. This is just That's right. That's right. Um, that being, though, the backdrop for an interesting question is what would the ideal Big Sky Conference be? By the way, n- not even individual schools are going to agree on this because it's not going to be the same for sport by sport. By the way, it doesn't have to be. As we know, there's 12 schools playing basketball and 13 playing football. And actually, there's I'm not going to get into it. It's, it's two actually different schools playing in each of those two sports. Okay, let's just leave it at that, even though there's only a difference in total of one uh, of 13 to 12. Point being, I don't know what the ideal Big Sky Conference would be, but I do feel like I, I know, I have an idea of what I think the ideal conference for football would be for the Montana schools in terms of what other teams should be in it. Whether it would be okay. the big sky per se, I don't know. Okay, tell me. But I'm just pulling from it from from all of it. Sure. Okay? Sure. Grizzlies, Bobcats. Yep. North Dakota, North Dakota State. Yep. Wyoming. Yep. Idaho, Idaho State. Yep. Eastern Washington. You could uh by the way, Weber State. Uh at this point, Weber State, I would also add into that group. 
I like having Northern Arizona in there, but if I'm just making if I'm just making this from scratch, those are the schools, and then you could convince me of maybe a couple other Missouri Valley schools. Now this is a complete pipe dream because how about South Dakota schools? Oh yes, South Dakota and South Dakota State. So the, the, the those would be. Um, great schools to have in it. What am I at? Nine or ten right so there. If you had the North Dakota schools, the Montana schools, the Idaho schools, the South Dakota schools, that's eight. Eastern Washington's nine, Weaver's ten. What did I say in Wyoming? Oh, in Wyoming, so that's eleven. So that's probably too many. Because mm-hmm. ideally, I think ten teams so that you play nine games in a season and have and everybody plays everybody. And then you can have a couple non-conference games in there if you want them. The only other thing, and I think the Big Sky Conference is very close to being able to pull this off, and I think this would be really my true ideal if I said something that I found feasible. What I just said right there would be my own personal, I'm going to call the shot, sure. but I don't. That's that is not happening, okay? Right. If I said something that I thought was feasible, though, it would be to add at least – well, at least one team and perhaps even three schools to the Big Sky Conference and split it up. Divisions. And then have a conference championship game at the end of the year. Now, do you need a conference championship game when you, then you have a national championship tournament that you're going into? I realized that is, is sort of superfluous. So I, 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 I that's not something that I think is that you really need. But what I do think you need is something like equity where everybody plays everybody. And if you're going to have this many teams, you need to split into a North and a South. The biggest argument against the, the conference championship game is that the big sky, especially the last couple of years has gotten three or, or sometimes four teams into the playoffs. And like last year was a great example of four seeded teams. The biggest argument is you don't want to have one of if not your best team lose the week before the playoffs, because mm-hmm. it's going to hurt. It's going to knock your seating down. Now, I don't think you'll mind me saying this. He, he actually brought it in here to talk to us. I don't know that we actually got to it, but when Jim O'Day, former athletic director yeah. of the University of Montana, came in here and in, in, and talked to us with for the Grizz greats, and then the roundtable that we did do sure. with him, he had it. He had it all written out. If Montana, Montana State were to move up to the Mountain West right. and become a true FBS Division One school, along with a couple others, I'm not sure if he had Eastern in there. He may have, but his, I believe, if I recall this correctly, and if I didn't, Jim, I'm sorry. Help me out and fix me. But I believe he had 20 teams in in the Mountain West at at an 18. I thought for sure split into an East and a West or a North and a South, so that you had a full schedule, and then you have a a Mountain West Conference Championship with Jay Have anyway. And he said, "Look, man, people are like, well, you know, Montana, Montana State are going to lose at least initially, probably more games than they're losing right now." Yes, but also he's like, "Well, what will that do to attendance?" And he said, "I don't know." What does Missouri Valley do for attendance when they come to Montana? What does Oklahoma Panhandle State do when they come to Montana? Wouldn't you rather have Boise State or Wyoming or, you know, some of these schools coming into Washington Grizzly, regardless of, you know, whatever the outcome might be initially? And by the way, how do you know that that that's what it's going to be? I mean, Montana and Montana State punch above their weight class right now at the Big Sky level. Well, what's above your weight class? That's the Mountain West level. It's what that is, and doing it with restricted scholarships. So, you know, I, I, I like that thought very much. If you have the right strategy in place, I think you can make up the ground rapidly if it's in a regional conference like that. I mean, people talk about NDSU joining the Big Ten. That is such a huge leap. Following the, the blueprint of what has already occurred with a couple of former Big Sky schools, specifically Boise State, I know that Boise State was a moment in time. No one could have predicted that the Treasure Valley was going to become one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country. Mm-hmm. Nobody could have expected the tech boom, and nobody could have expected how those things went hand in hand with the rise of Boise State football. But it has been done, and there's a couple towns in the Big Sky, namely Bozeman and maybe even Missoula, that could have similar explosions coming up here pretty soon. But to me, it's just about the sustainability of it all, and and. I just think that Montana, I mean, look at North Dakota State, for example. It's so easy to forget that North Dakota State was a Division II school 
in, in, circa 2007. Yeah, recently. It took them four. It took them four years to get in the playoffs, yeah. and then they haven't lost since. They've yeah. lost eight games since then in the last nine years. It's unbelievable. And but why is that? Because they had great tradition. They already they had all of the things you need as a foundation: fan base, facilities, support, finances, ready to roll. And then it's just incremental build. And if you have the right people in place, I think you can absolutely do it. And I think it would be one of the things that could benefit, particularly the Montana schools, particularly the University of Montana. We are uh, a minute, 15 seconds into the Grizzly-Georgia game. The Bulldogs are up 6-0 here off the get. All of these points on the interior uh, against uh, Montana. So, you know, it's early, but it's trending incorrectly for Montana at the moment. Uh, Coulter, it's Tuesday. Do we want to uh, give the people... Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're doing it at the top. We'll we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. And when we come back, what we're going to do is uh, have ourselves a little discussion about buying and selling, specifically in the realm of the NFL. Are the Bills for real? Are the Browns for real? Is there somebody in the NFC East that's for real? We'll get to that right after this. Hey, sports are on. And the Silver Slipper has 55 televisions for you to watch games on. So whether it's the NFL, whether it's college basketball, the NBA is just about to start back up, get to the Silver Slipper. Drink specials are available every single day. They got 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. And the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, their urge to have a good time. If you wanted to watch the Grizz play Georgia right now, you could go there and watch it. Okay? Stop by today. See why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They are across the street from the uh, Country Club right there on Brooks. Check them out on Facebook so that you have all the -the up-to-the-moment information and also their daily drink specials available on Facebook as well. It's the Silver Slipper. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 